Yes, hello and welcome to the main event boxing show on All FM 96.9 with myself, Barker Jammer, and co-host, top boxing trainer, Bobby Rimmel. How you doing, Bob? Good, good okay, to have you back, mate. You keep saying that, don't you, top boxing trainer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm How absolutely is, mate? fantastic, doing great. Fantastic. You weren't in last week, Bobby? I was away with the lads sparring one, so yeah. it was the last spar. Oh, was you? You yeah. told me it was car trouble. No, <laughs> mate, I took a sparring first and then back, like, my car, I was in Blackpool and my car wouldn't start in the yeah, morning, yeah, yeah. so we were sparring up that end, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. So, no, Worries, mate. Yeah. We had to get it done, you know what I mean? Good stuff. And we're joined in the studio today, Bobby, with John. One and only Mr. Yeah. John Money, Mr. Manchester. Former European champion, world title challenge. I was just saying before earlier on, John was the very first guest yeah. on the main event all them years ago. I think at the time he was just saying, and I think he was like British champion just fighting yeah. John Faxton. So you're talking about 2009, 2010. You, you know, you've been, been around forever, haven't you? Yeah. Well, it seems that way, doesn't it? <laughs> he was just saying 18. It was, it, it, was, it was never out of the headlines, was it, from, from the early days. So, you know, he got there quick, didn't he? there for a long time you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Busy career, yeah. yeah. yeah so we're, we're glad John's in today and also Bobby we've got Ambrose Mendy as well on the phone today yeah. who's going to talk his advisor to James DeGale yeah he's just kind so of come back into it I think hasn't he? he's been out for a bit hasn't he so, yeah so um, we'll sort of see what he's been up to anyway, the last yeah, he worked, did he work with Nigel Benn in that is that yeah Nigel Benn I think he was his manager yeah, so we're okay. going to go into that and, and find out what, what, what the score is so good. so it's going to be a good show again as usual um, if you want to contact us you can get in contact at the main event 969 at yahoo.co.uk or you can get us at Twitter, which is Barkley Jammer Junior, Bobby underscore Rimmel. Yep. Is that right? And John Murray 84. John Murray 84, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to think about that. Okay, I was going to start with some music, lads, but I think just because we're running a little bit late, we're going to jump jump straight into it. Yep. Um, we're going to kick off today's show with John. John, last time we had you on the show, it was when me and Bobby was doing the, the TV stuff with yeah. um, Premier. Yeah, yeah. You just had the Brandon Rios fight. So you was kind of still in your career, you know, you was kind of um, still up there, you just fought for the world title. After that, though, there was a bit of a scare, wasn't there? The, you had right. the injury scare. Can you yeah. tell us what happened, John? Because obviously we've not spoke to you since then, so... Yeah, so you know. I've just had the Rios fight, top of my career. It was a good performance, although I lost. I still rate it very highly in my career. I think it's one of the best performances uh, against a, a man that was a lot heavier than me on the night of the fight. He coming overweight for his world title challenge and... Uh, on the night of the fight, I think he was over the stone every day, but I stood toe to toe with him. It's the way that I like to fight, and uh, we, we always a good. It was a good do, but do I lost the fight. Do, do you think you know when he came in? When he came in heavy, John. What what was the reason behind that? Apart from being a laser, him. You I know just, what I mean? I don't. I don't, I don't think he's laser. I just think he'd outgrown the lightweight division. I don't think he's a light weightweight anymore. When I box. Uh, I lightweight when I boxed him I think he was a light well away and uh, he's proved that when after the fight with me he went up and knocked out the world champion in two rounds and he won mm. a world title so yeah. you know, there's no doubt about it that he, he wasn't a lightweight anymore and when he came in at the way and you know, failing the weight by as much as what he did shown that but no, it was a good performance for me and I'm, I'm happy that I took the fight it's just a shame that when I came to fight again that I failed the um, the brain scan yeah. and it kept me out the ring for you know, I was out the ring before I was due to fight again, it was a year, and then failing the brain scan kept me out another year. I think them two years out of the ring in the prime of my career is what, you know, really, really cost me, you know. Yeah. I, I, I you think, can't get them back, can you? No, you, you can't get them back. I think two years out of my career, at that stage of my, of my career, that was the prime of my career. I don't think I could get them years back, and I, I think I was more than capable of winning a world title. You know, I was strong and fit, and... Uh, you know, two years out of the ring weren't good for someone no, like yeah. me. No, not at all. <laughs> it, I suppose it, it, you know, it, it, some some people like Bernard Hopkins and people like that who, who don't really change when they're outside the ring. It's mm. all right for them, but yeah. for normal people like us, it's a bit different. Yeah, isn't it, John? Exactly, yeah, exactly, mate. Yeah. And it's the way you fight as well, though, isn't it, John? You yeah. know, 
pressure fighter as well. If you're one of them kind of guys who you know dances yeah. around a bit, stays out of trouble. Well, that's it. I think you know. when I was fighting to get peak fitness, I won't peak for one fight I'd get one fight I'd get up to let's say 70% the next fight I'd get up to 75 yeah. then I'd be 8, 95 and then mm. yeah. it took me 3 or 4 fights to get proper 100% physically fit yeah. and strong and that's fighting couple of weeks off bang into another next training camp yeah. couple of weeks off bang into next training camp and that's just the way that I was you know fit and strong but when I'm having two years out the ring having a little two round comeback fight and then yeah. you know if you're a very active fighter you're a good fighter, like, yeah. like you was. If, if you're very active, and you know f the difference between a very active fighter and a not active fighter, that times out of the ring are different. Yeah, you know, like with yeah. John, yeah, who, who like you know, you just said it. Take him a few fights to get back into the swing of things. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you're two years out, it takes you a long time to get yeah. back, doesn't it? it? Does. So, how did the brain injury scare kind of come about? Did you was you getting headaches or something? What? what no. Um, my brain scan ran out you have to have a brain scan with a, with getting your licence every year right. to monitor things and that make sure everything's alright upstairs and uh, I went for a routine brain scan and he said these uh, this something come up I got a phone call I was training for the Reese fight I was a week off the Reese fight I'd finished training just wrapped up training and uh, I was finished off with a bit of floor work and manage, manager Mike Mars and Watts in the gym pulled the radio out, out the plug and he just says alright John uh, the fight's off I went why what's up with him he went it's not him it's you he says you failed a brain scan I phoned up the boxing board to get some more details and he went you've got to go to your doctors today immediately I went why what's up he said well, you've got a tumour you've got a tumour on your brain really and uh, I went I'm a, I first fit, my first reaction was am I going to die I said am I going to die and he went, well, we can't tell you that over the phone. You're just going to have to go and see your doctor today. So my head was in bits. Yeah, I mean, I was in bits. Just a bit. But uh, I went to the doctors and uh, they just said in the end, uh, you know, I went through the route, like, it took me a year ago. I had three or four more brain scans and all that. And in the end, the experts and the head of the board and that, uh, the, the brain scan people have looked at the brain scan and they said, look, we'll give you four, three more brain scans two with dying high definition brain scans and that we can't see anything wrong with you we wow. genuinely think that they've made a mistake and <gasps> there was nothing wrong with you in the first place uh, so that's ridiculous isn't it yeah you know it is what it is but everything happens for a reason and uh you know what was the reason for that then <laughs> just to scare you to death for 12 months <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, wow. So, uh, well, I don't know what to say to that, really. But, OK, following on from that, then, you got back into the ring, didn't you? You fought Michael Escobar. Then yeah. you had the two-round blowout of John Simpson that you said. Yeah. Did you feel... Was you feeling fit in them fights? You know, did you yeah, feel I like was, you was I was kinda... enjoying being back and, uh, you know, enjoying being back in the ring. You know, it's, I like fighting, though. You know, it's, it's part of who I am. And uh, I've done it from a very young age. And uh, I've had a very long, successful pro career and... I'm good at it, so it was good to be back. I yeah. enjoyed it. I enjoyed the buzz of the crowd, and I enjoy being in training. I'm, I'm a good grafter. I like to work hard in the gym, and no doubt about it, I do push myself pretty hard. And uh, yeah, I was, I was enjoying being back in the swing of things. Yeah, yeah. I got got for the qualifying. I so, was going to say, following yeah. on from that, then you got yeah. the, the qualifight. Yeah, it was a fight. I thought I could win. How did it come about, John? Was that you? Because I, I know you was kind of sort. Of, was it you chasing Crawler? I think you had a poster or yeah, something. Yeah, I fancied the fight. I fancied the fight. I sparred with Crawler a lot. Yeah, uh, over the years. And like I say, it's a fight. You know, I was confident I could win. Yeah. Looking back now, I just think it was probably one fight too soon. Right. Uh, what do I mean? I mean the Escobar job, and then the Simpson blow. It's 
when enough preparations are going to a big 12 round fight like that but you know like you just said that though didn't you it took him two or three fights to get mm-hmm. into yeah. into what to he calls perfect kind of thing. he's yeah. perfect you know 100% so yeah. like you just said it was, it was a fight short wasn't it yeah, yeah. I think it was just yeah. a fight short but it was a good performance off Crawler I mean he took it well didn't he for a, for a long time in the fight and he'd yeah. come through that you know to stand up to that punishment and then you know managed to win fair play to him so yeah. No, I'm happy. I, I, I wanted to have another go because the career was cut short when he had failed the brain scan. So I wanted to have another blast and see if I could still do it. Yeah. I answered the question and I found out that you know it's over. I'm happy to hang up the gloves there. I've got no regrets and very happy with the career that I had. Yeah, yeah. No, it was a fantastic career. How, how difficult, John, was it fighting Crawler? Because obviously you was you know you was mates as well, weren't you? Be- yeah, it's, you know. it's, it wasn't difficult at all. No, um, no, that was out the window. That. Fight's a fight, innit? Yeah. yeah. It doesn't matter if it's your mate or if it's not. If anything, it's not personal. It's, it's nothing personal. Yeah. Yeah, it's business. Yeah. He don't, he don't mind about it. Crawler's the same. It's nothing personal, it's just business. And uh, yeah, you know, we're fighting men, so we like to fight. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's that. <laughs> cool. So, looking back at your career, then, John, what would you say were the standout moments for you? Obviously, there's quite a few, but yeah. you know, what, what were the ones for you where you thought, yeah, that was a that was a great night for me? Um, fighting Florida is my first. Is that the one where you've seen Winky Wright? Winky Wright, yeah, you saw that one a few and, times. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was so. At the end of it, I got a standing ovation from fourteen thousand Americans. Um, I, I told you I blanked out. I went backstage. Yeah, yeah. And Delta's like pointing a torch in my eye, and I'm going, "What happened, Joe? Did I get knocked out?" <laughs> and he's like, "Shut up, the doctor's there." I went, "Why? What happened? Just tell me if I got knocked out. I don't, I don't care." <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like, "Nah, John, you won't. You look really good. So shut up." Yeah. Well, yeah, I think because of the adrenaline rush after that fight, I think my head had just popped. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. Everyone was screaming and that. And, you know, it was a good performance, <laughs> and just, my head just popped. Yeah. Uh, so that, that was a good, a good, good performance. Uh, boxing in Vegas twice, obviously that's the pinnacle of boxing and my world title shot against Brandon Rios in Madison Square Garden walking out um, you know as I was walking to the ring I was looking around thinking this is unbelievable yeah I mean it was 22,000 there that night and it was full to the rafters and uh, as I was walking out to the ring I just thought this is this is unbelievable yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's good yeah, of course, yeah. mate. Of course. I mean, looking back at John's career, Bobby, ourselves, you know, mm-hmm. it was always an exciting fight, wasn't it? Yeah. Win or lose. Yeah, it was. You know, he gave hundred percent every time, didn't he? There was never a time when he didn't give that hundred percent, did he? Mm. You know what I mean? Of and course. You always knew that if, if you if you bought a ticket to go and watch John Muddy or sneaked in. <laughs> you was uh, you was you, you was in for a good night, weren't you? You, you was know, in for the treat. You was definitely going to get value for money. Yeah, without a doubt. So, John, well, it's great. Obviously, we, you're around for the rest of the show, so we're going to talk about you've moved on now. You're a trainer and life post boxing. Before that, though, lads, we're going to go to a short interview with Ambrose Mendy. We've got Ambrose on the phone, who is advisor to James De but he's going to give us a bit more info on that. So, we're just going to have a short break. We're going to play a bit of music, and we're back after this. This is the main event on All of Them Night Six Point Nine. Okay, this is the main event boxing show on All Fair Night 6.9. We're joined on the phone now with Ambrose Mendel. Hello, Ambrose. Hello, how are you doing? Ambrose, thanks for taking the time out to join us today. Um, obviously, you know, you're a boxing expert. For the sake of the fans or the sake of the listeners today, can you tell us a little bit, Ambrose, before we get into the James DeGale stuff, can you tell us a little bit about how you got into boxing, how long you've been in it, kind of what yeah. your role was when you started so what your role is now? Is that okay? Yeah, 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 of course, yeah. I mean, I, I started off by accident, you know, I'm an ex-footballer, and um, uh, a guy who used to uh, manage a pub next door to a children's wear shop, which I used to have, asked me one day to go down to, to a boxing show, and I didn't really want to go, um, and then he told me it was kind of like unlicensed, so we went down together, it, it was absolutely enthralling. Came back, um, decided to do something 
ourselves. And to cut a long story short, that person was Frank Warren, and um, and of course myself. And um, it, it was, to be quite honest, it was like a, a mad, crazy ride. Frank then went with the Boxing Board of Control, and um, they later got got together with him. And um, it was a period that produced Errol Christie, Terry Marsh, um, a wonderful middleweight from Liverpool, Jimmy Price, um, who was largely forgotten. And of course, um, I later went on my own and um, Nigel Ben came with me. And um, I think the rest is history in that whole era. You know, I did Ben Watson, I did Ben Eubank, Nigel's you know, incredible six fights in the United States where he became world middleweight champion. Um, yeah, um, at the same time, I represented dozens of footballers. I had an association with the great Ellery Hanley um, from up near your neck of the woods, Linford Christie. We can go on forever, really, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Paul Ince. I yeah. got Paul Ince to Manchester United and that whole saga. Yeah, it's been pretty eventful. Yeah, it <laughs> sounds it just a bit. Ambrose, what was your role though when you got involved with boxing? What you know, I know he was with Ben, but what what was it that you did for Ben? No, no, I, I managed Nigel and obviously promoted him together with Bob Arum at top rank, and then back over here was Barry Hearn. And uh, yeah, and I'm pleased to say that um, Bob, myself, and Barry, and myself are, are still great friends to this day. Excellent. We need to be anyway, because of course James now fights under the match from Banner. Yeah. together with Eddie Hearn so yeah Eddie and I speak two or three times a day seven days a week right. probably more now whilst we, through this whole Carl Frotch debacle and, yeah yeah <laughs> and um, gorgeous George Groves is, yeah. he, is he with he and of course the um, unmistakable talent of Andre Durrell yeah Cool. We'll get into that a little bit later on, Ambrose, because we have got a few questions that lead us into that. Bobby, was you going to? Yeah, did you watch a- Ambrose, it's Bobby Rimmer. Um, How not, you doing, Bob? I'm, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Um, yeah, yeah, really well. Good. I, I know you went out of it a little bit, but what 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 was it that gave you that spark to get back in it? Was was it just James DeGale's talent? And can I just say this? It was James DeGale. Yeah. On a scale of on a scale of ten, mm. I don't think we've seen three of James DeGale. Okay. I, I honestly, honestly, I knew Linford Christie when he couldn't get a taxi. You know, <laughs> he, he couldn't have got a sponsored ride in a cab on a Friday night. Yeah. Impossible. And his will and his desire to win was unbelievable. And and you know, I could talk about Nigel Ben for a week and not not even scratch the surface. These people have something around them. Mm. You know. The uh, racing driver, Lewis Hamilton, you know, they have an aura about them. Is that something special that sets people out from other people? And with regards to James, I'm, I met James before he went to the Olympic Games. Jim McDonald's been my lifelong friend. And um, James was going around interviewing, you know, prospective trainers and this, that and the other. And his dad asked me what I thought he should do, you know, promotion-wise. I said, look, if you get a medal, go and sign with Frank Warren. You know, even though Warren and I don't get on, the fact is, at the time, he was the best person to go to. And, and of course, he did. And then that had its highs, and then it kind of petered out a little bit. And he, James came and spoke to myself with, with his mum and dad. And um, I just saw, you know, there's that, that thing about somebody. Listen, without me, without loads of other people, James is always going to be world champion. But it's not about getting there. It's about staying there. You know, no one goes up a mountain to come back down the same day. You've got to appreciate it whilst you're there. I think with James, you know, he's incredibly talented, but Jim McDonald has given him the ammunition, the cardiovascular, to 
to operate at the height of your senses, and Bobby, you would know this, you, you know, it, it's so, 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 so important. And, um, I, you know, I look, when people say, you know, do you think James DeGale will beat this person or that person? Now I don't care who it is. Mm. I couldn't care less who it was. Yeah. It's about levels, as everybody knows, and he is at that level now where he will beat whomever it is that they put in front of him. And long may that be the yes. case. And let's hope that we do see the great fights because they are out there. They are out there um, for him to achieve. Yeah. Mm. Just kind of going back, Ambrose, like we say, you have been in it for a while. How different is boxing now to, to what it was when you was around in the 90s? You know, obviously you've got the emergence of social media and that kind of stuff. Does that actually make your job easier or harder? Yeah, I mean, I think it makes the job a darn sight easier because, right. you know, you go through ages, talk about stages, you go through ages, you know, we had the, the Stone Age, the Iron Age, the Bronze Age, you know, we had the Middle Age, the Reformation of the Church, you know, we are now in the Information Age and he who can communicate quickest you know, most expeditiously, is going to be king. And he who can do it most effectively is going to be emperor. You know, emperors have always ruled. Mm. And with emperors come dynasties. And, and we have it now. Everyone talks about, you know, the great Ben here, and Watson and Eubank. But, hey, listen, just stop a minute. Before them, there was Kevin Key, Kevin Finnegan, Alan Minter, Bunny Sterling, Mark Rowe. You know, listen, we like, and then let's go jump forward. We had Sivo, Mark Kayla. It was happening, you know, it was around. I mentioned the unbelievable amateur Jimmy Price, you know, turned professional, and I think it all went too soon. Mm. You know, the great Harold Graham. You know, th there were things underpinning things, and we kind of have that now. You know, Bobby, you, you testify, you know, cause effect, the greatness of Ricky Hatton. Yeah. That, that Manchester scene has been so simmering. You know, it, it, I, I remember this... this amazing kid we were fighting on the same bill as him in scotland pat barrett yeah you know like pat mm. could punch like oh, it was frightening i remember we were in the change room and nigel was and I, you know up in scotland nigel and the guy in two rounds and pat barrett chilled somebody i can't remember who it was and he i don't think he was aware of just how good he really was with nigel we were a great, you know, pair because we could hype. People call it hype. I called it future truths. Mm -hmm. I'd say something before it could be exposed for its frailties, if it had any. And yeah. bring this now on social media. That's what you can do. Yeah. One day somebody says someone's an idiot. The next day so 10 people say he's not, say he's not. Mm. You know, yeah. it's about how expeditiously you can carry a message across. Yeah. I mean, I suppose there's ups and downs, though, isn't there? Because, obviously, the negativity as well with the social media. Because, I mean, I've kind of... I don't know how true it is, but I've heard social media has kind of not made fights because... See, see what, what, what happens with know, social media is, is people that wouldn't ordinarily be able to get a voice or an opinion <laughs> do. Yeah, yeah. So, so what happens in that is it's like everything else. You know, for every, for every two or three hundred good messages you get, you are going to get idiots. <laughs> You know, yeah. you know. There was a picture on the other day. There was a picture of um, some fighter in the corner, and he'd had to retire after eight rounds of fighting, and, it, and he'd been hammered, but he'd done it. And then there was a picture of this big fat mess on the couch underneath him, calling him a bum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's exactly what it is. You know, you, you, yeah. You, you, we're, op we're opened up to to people. I mean, 
from years ago, Ambrose, it, the only way you could get a voice in boxing was by sending a letter into the boxing news. That was the only way. Yeah, in correct. the old days, that was the only way you could you could get a voice heard. Now, correct. you know, you can do it on social media, but for the bad points, you, you'll get a lot of good points. You yeah. know, like getting stuff out there and the outweigh. You, you know, like way. like I I got some terrible stick when me and Brian come back from New York. You mm. know what I mean? I mean, and I was I was hurt by some of it. You know what I mean? But <clears throat> as living in Manchester for 55 years I've got pretty thick skin you know what I mean and, and you, you, you kind of just have to move on from that but yeah. you know the, the good points far outweigh the bad points and, and, and that's that's the, if there is a problem with it that's the only one it is you know you'll get some idiot who, who puts a picture of you know some other person on and, and, he, and he's allowed to voice his opinion and that's it but it only takes one thumb done it to block him and that's the end of it yeah. you know what I mean but, yeah. of course. but apart from the other thing the good thing about it is like Ambrose just said you can get things right out there within a matter of hours, can't you, Ambrose, you know? Well, absolutely, and, yeah. and what, what I think is the credit is people have been moaning the fact there are so many titles today. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I was in an era where there was only one champion in each weight division, yeah. and then, of course, when there was two, it was outrage, yeah. and, then, uh, and then Frank Warren campaigned for the IBF, and I think Tony Simpson um, fought for the IBF title, I think. He was the first Brit, I might be wrong, but then, and I did the same thing with regards to the WBO. Yeah. When Nigel Ben beat Doug DeWitt, we were over in the United States. And um, it was the most amazing, amazing, amazing set of circumstances. And when we came home, wow, you know, at the airport, I think Virgin had laid it all on and everything else. There were fans we didn't even realise were going to turn up. It was, it was fantastic. And a message got across. But that's how long things used to take. Yeah. I mean, we came back by Concord, yeah. by the way, yeah. which of course is now extinct, <laughs> and 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 that was quick. Again, you know, like in other words, message came in three hours quicker than a carrier pigeon, yeah. Yeah. and um, you know, you you, you kind of got a sense that this was real. But what I decided to do at a very very early, early age was to embrace technology, so that you didn't become a technophobe. You know, I won't say I'm a techno junkie, but I, I can go and com communicate with with the best of them. And um, it's so important today because there are more titles, there are more matches to be made. And, and one of the good things is you can now check people out thoroughly. We had this, what Nigel used to describe as Mexican road sweepers coming in here, yeah. you know, and Hugo, Gonzalez, whatever their, their names were. Yeah. And although the record said it was so-and-so, you know full well it wasn't, yeah. you know. <laughs> and yeah. now you can cross-refer, cross-check. You can, find them you can go in, you can look how somebody fights. You know, it makes fights more even and more exciting. But the one thing that I'm really, really glad about social media and what it can do is it's brought women to boxing. I went to a show at the O2 the other day, the Kevin Mitchell show, let's call it. It was amazing. Yeah. And um, there was about 9,000 people there. But when I was a kid, uh, I played football and you played for the Southern England schools and the England schools trials. And you go to, to Wembley or to Stanford Bridges was the case, and you could hear the shrill in kids' voices, you know, like, and that's what I heard at boxing the other day, you know, like yeah. a punch when I was sitting in the bleachers, a punch missed by about a foot, but it looked exciting from back there, and they'd go like, oh, wow, you know, and I thought, the sport's, the sport's changed, it's now, it's now a business, but it's a good business, you know, everybody is a team, like we're Team Dig Out, yeah. everyone is a team, it means that they all work for it, there are people out there, and their job is to sell and to create interest, I know the other side of it is, and for me it's a little bit sad, boxers are being asked to sell tickets, 
to appear on shows. I'm, I'm not too comfortable about it. It is really I, hard, that, isn't it? I mean, you know, yeah, that. I think if I'm a promoter, my job is to sell and optimise my profit. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's great to have associations, but, you know, if you ain't in the suites, you shouldn't be in the bitters. And I think boxers should box and promoters should promote. Mm. And, and I can see that. I can see that happening, you know, and more and more events. The show that um, Eddie Hearn did at, at Liverpool, Cleverly and Bellew, did 400,000 pay-per-views. And everybody moaned about it, but I didn't moan because I realized it's like you watch a a film come out. um, I watched the BAFTAs last night. You watch a film come out and it's got this person and that person. When I was a kid, you know, they had John Wayne in it, you know, had Robert Redford in it, Paul Newman in it. You thought, I don't care what the film is about, I'm going to see it. And I think that is what happened. I think it was a a benchmark, you know, for, for future possibilities. People bemoaned, you know, the pricing model and everything. But the truth of the matter is I was at the show, obviously James DeGale boxed and and George Groves boxed and Auntie Joshua boxed and Tony Bell. It's like, and then there was two world title fights on it. You know, Jamie McDonnell and of course, Scott boxed on there as well. And if he's listening to this, Scott, I really hope that you're gonna be on April the 25th at um, the O2 in London when James fights, I really do. Um, I'm a little Scott Quick fan, I've got to tell you. But um, you see these changes taking place and you, you know that you've got to embrace them. Don't try and play King Canoe and turn the tide away. It ain't going. Mm. It's in a different direction. It's a different model. And you're asking me about the good old 90s and everything else. And I think even though, you know, I'm not going to see 60 anymore, honestly, I'm 28. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not just my African age. I'm 28. That's how the way I feel. And, and there's so much vibrancy. When I think about my peers, Jack Solomon, Harry Levine, Mickey Duff, when they were my age, they were old men. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I'm sorry, but whatever measure, I am not, I'm not old. Yeah. You know, I'm revitalized. I'm an essential cog in a really, really go-ahead and positive team. And, and that's what we are today. We're teams, fans, you know, are transparent and also transferable. You know, this thing that um, Eddie Hearn introduced, um, Sorry? Fight pass, that fight pass thing. The uh, prize fighter, yeah. On prize fighter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. On, on, on prize fighter. <laughs> I, I went to the very first one and I thought, well, this doesn't really make sense because whoever I'm rooting for, and to be honest, I was an independent, whoever I'm rooting for, as soon as they get knocked out, I'm going home. Mm. And uh, and it, that's never happened. Anyone who's ever watched them, everyone stays till the end. Yeah. It doesn't matter where it is. It's an exciting form, You know you're guaranteed a result. Yeah. Mm. And, I, and I think there, again, is an, another wonderful change. Yeah. There are changes Jeez. that can, can be made eventually. I'm- Sorry, I'm Rhodes. I was just going to cut in just for a second. I've got a question regarding you. He's talking about the pay-per-view stuff. Yeah. Uh, obviously, like you said, times change. You know, things need to move on. But I have kind of mixed views on pay-per-view. See, he doesn't like it, Ambrose. I like it. Right. He like and it. the only reason yeah. I don't like it is because I think maybe it's a bit of a stumbling block for new fans getting into the sport. What do you feel about that? Put him in his place for me, Ambrose, will you? Yeah, I, I, first of all, I'm a mega fan of pay-per-view. I just wish in, in, in the era of, you know, Ben Eubank and Watson, there had been pay-per-view. There yeah. was in the United States, but we didn't have technology in place at that time. Now it's here. Money will be reinvested in the sport. You know, we needed to do this because we need to put premium values on our sport. It's great to see, you know... Does the, does the money the get reinvested, though? Does, does it get reinvested? I, I, I would say this. I don't know what the views of Eddie Hearn are up, up north, mm. but 
this guy is everywhere, you know, putting on shows in places that previously they hadn't. And we're going to see what happens in Birmingham, mm. you know, when he goes to Frankie Gavin, because as I understand it, there hasn't been a show since Warren did The Magnificent Seven. Yeah. Um, way back when. I mean, that James has been a pro six years, six years ago. Yeah. They haven't had a major show. So, so now, and we know that. I remember Ben Eubank, the first fight was at the NEC. Yeah. So there's a great catchment area there. For so I, I think pay-per-view is fantastic. It means that the sellers of the pay-per-view event, like Sky, you think about the work that they put into it, Sky Box Office. Yeah. It's everywhere. That's why we had 80,000 people at Wembley Stadium. I don't... What, Go on, sorry, Ambrose. Yeah, just in saying that, yeah. I, I know there, I had this conversation with an American promoter about six weeks ago, and he said, yeah, you know, 80,000 people you had in there, you know, but we've done, you know, 100 in this part. I said, listen, I was there. You know, ringside seats were selling for £10,500. Mm. And it's, it's not an exaggeration. And the 40 quid seats were selling for 120. You couldn't get them. Yeah. People decided they wanted to come to see an event. Yeah. So, so that, that tells you there should be a greater qualification necessary to decide what is worthy of pay-per-view. That's what but, I was getting to, yeah. But if people don't want to pay it, they're not going to see it. And if people don't want to see it, they're not going to pay for it. We need this to happen. We really, really do. It's because... I, I don't mind... Sorry, Ambrose, just cutting again. Like I said, I don't, I, I, I don't mind pay-per-view, but sometimes I think, does it need to be... I mean, like you said before, you know, the, the quality of it. Do you think the, the cleverly bell you? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, they was both coming off losses... Yeah. Um, yeah, but it was the show. There was no, was was no the world title on the line. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't just one fight. Was I know, but there was for. no world title on the line. But, but what you're saying, I agree. You know what? First of all, the fight was a fight worth going to see. Well, Tony Belly was a showman. And, um, he, he, you know, he has this magnetism. You don't, you think, you know, he's a bit over the top. Well, no, he's not really. Let him carry on, and he carries on, and he carries on. For me, the way he built the show was fantastic. A bit like George Groves. Yeah. You know, you just think, oh, yeah, when is he going to yeah. shut up? You know, but nevertheless, you're engrossed, you're listening to it. And let, let's be honest about it. Again, I hark back to, to, because we're reflecting backwards and now looking at today. Mm. I hark back and I look at the fair when they came, or the circus came to town, roll up the fat lady, the bearded lady, the strong man, this, that, and that. You look at them as individuals, you wouldn't go near them. That's but it. but yeah. it's, it's like, wow, there's a show, there's an event. And yeah. that's what it is. Ricky Hatton was an event people went along they never believed that Ricky's honestly going to win every fight that he was in but you were going for an event it was the yeah. crowd Ricky was a cherry on the top of it I and do, that's what we need yeah I do understand that but like I say I still think I still think like I say I, I don't mind pay-per-view for the for the big events I think that's fine I think that's just fine but just one minute Bob but I still think a, we're probably in danger of getting fights that really are domestic level fights up to a pay-per-view stage and also I still think there's that block of the guy off the street who might be you know might get into boxing he might bring his family into boxing blah 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 you know I think that's there's a, you know there's still the issue of alienating people and I think we should be bringing more but, as many people as but, we can but don't forget you don't have to buy it if you don't want you don't have to buy it no you don't you don't have to get it but no, at the end nobody of the day, says you have to get this you know it, listen young fighters when they first turn pro nowadays have got to go out selling tickets and it's really really hard for young fighters in it you know you've got to do so many tickets and all this that and other with this pay-for-view money being pumped back in sooner or later that might help that out mightn't it yeah yeah 
Yeah, okay. I've okay. seen. Listen, I've seen my fight. Yeah. Brian Rose lives with me, right? Yeah. Before Brian kind of started getting into the big fights, I've been sat with Brian Rose the night before the weighing, mm -hmm. counting ticket money and delivering yeah. ticket money. As a trainer and a fighter, do you know how hard that is? It's ridiculous. Now, anything, and we have to do it, we know that, yeah. but anything on the bigger scale that's going to pump money back into it so that doesn't have to happen is a good thing, isn't it? Yeah, but, I mean, is that not the presumed promoter's job as it is anyway now? So well, that the way not it be deep, small you know, promoters kind of... find it hard. Yeah. I'd... Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, I'll tell you what, we can agree to disagree on that. We'll kind of move on from that. Okay, we'll move on, Ambrose. Kind of moving on to today, then, obviously, we got news recently that Carl Froch has given up his IBF title. So that means James DeGale is going to fight for the vacant title. Do we know who that's going to be against yet? Is it is it Andre Durrell? Is it George Groves? Where, where are we at with that at the moment? Yeah, okay, let me just be... I'll try and be as brief as possible, but let me just first of all answer okay, the, the question properly. Mm -hmm. um, the IBF have informed... Andre Durrell, that he is the next in line to fight as the number two mandatory challenger. So he should fight James. Mm -hmm. So so Eddie, even as I talk to you now, is trying to negotiate terms so that fight can take place at the O2 on April 25th. So we, we, we're speaking regularly. Now, because of a unique set of circumstances, one, there is hesitation on Durrell's part to come to this country because he believes, with some justification, that he got robbed when he fought Carl Froch. So he may well be that he won't come. I know that Ramirez, the much-touted Mexican, who's like 33 or 34 and 0, um, a knockout king, does not want to fight James. In fact, a, a breakfast with Bob Arum in London about four months ago, I took James along, and Bob, who's top-ranked organisation promotion he represents, Ramirez, made it quite clear, Ramirez won't be fighting you any time in the next couple of years. You know, he needs to grow a bit and this, that, and the other. Mm. So, extraordinarily, the next contender is George Gross. Now, I, I tried to talk to George three weeks ago. You know, just for the sake of it, he used to be a big Nigel Ben fan, so it was an easy conversation. And I said, George, you know, you two guys, listen to this. You two guys can get guaranteed two and a half million quid each. You could earn three and a half, four million pounds, you know. Um, oh. But we need to go... To make a representation to the IBF, we need to, to arrange for them to talk to Durrell. Durrell can have a bout, you know, on the undercard for an inflated fee as compensation, and both of you would have to sign that you're fighting within 90 days. Yeah. Yeah. He said, he, he, "Can you can you hear me?" Yeah, we can hear you. Bobby, Bobby, <laughs> loud and clear. I've got you. Bobby, Evan, Evan, watched Ryan go over and fight so gallantly, and etc. etc. Et listen to this. This is what he told me. He wants three and a half million quid, guaranteed. He has to be the co-promoter. He has to name the three leading um, undercards, the fights on the undercard. He must come into the ring second. He has to weigh in second. And um, probably half a dozen other ridiculous, they're so stupid, it's un unbelievable, um, saying statements of what he had to have in order for that fight. So I, I said to him, listen, if you fight, it's... 50-50. You know, it's a vacant title. Yeah. The rules are there. It's 50-50. The only question is who's going to be the promoter. Yeah. Well, unless you put the money up, you can't be the promoter. But the fans want to see this fight. And if it, the fight is lively, you saw what happened with you and Frotch, you could have a return. 
it's only money. Mm. And the next time, no one will care, even if you're obligated to defend against Darrell. If you won, yeah. it don't make no difference because um, we can just say to Darrell, we'll keep the title, give the fans what they want. It's amazing, isn't it? He, 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 he couldn't, you know, the WBC, I'm the number one and, you know, I'm going to force them to fight and I'm going to do it. I said, George, I tell you now, I can give you the number of Al Heyman. You phone him up, he'll tell you, you're not fighting the other Darrell until September or October. Of course, last Friday, this was confirmed and he was told that's the situation. Wherever he is at the present moment, if he's out there listening to this conversation, he needs to pick up the phone. We can possibly give the fans what they want. If he doesn't, that fight will never take place because I'm convinced should George Groves win a world title, he will talk himself out of every possible purse. At the present moment, he is facing oblivion because yeah. if he fights between now and September, October, the likelihood is they will strip him of his ranking. And where does he go then? You know, personally, I mean, I know James doesn't like me, he doesn't like James. I, I don't mind Jules Groves. I think um, he's done boxing a service in excess of a disservice. And with regards to Carl Froch, Carl has said he's a great fighter. In my opinion, great fighters fight. Yeah. You don't mm. pick fights to, you know, and avoid this person, avoid that person. And, and you know, at a press conference the other day, I said his actions are cowardly. Mm. And, and people are in uproar. Well, sorry, but I have come from a family that have fought Nigel Benn, for example, spent four years 256 days in the army three tours of duty in northern ireland one in afghanistan and if he was told to fight he thought you, you don't say i'm, a, I'm no. a fighter but I, I won't fight you and i'll fight him and i'll do this that and the other mm. I, I think it's a it's a real nonsense ask me in two years time i'll be campaigning for him to be in the international boxing hall of fame it's, but right now the way he's done this wasted seven months of james career it's just like totally was, wasted he could have done this the following morning it, yeah it's like it, what he could have said before ambrose yeah. about about you know when there was just you know when the governing bodies used to send you a letter and say you're fighting him that That's was it, it. I, I remember i remember alan minter telling us um after he'd won the world title that he was plastering one day and he was thinking about packing his job in so he went up to the boss and he said, "Listen, I'm I'm gonna, um, you know, I'm world champion now. I'm gonna jack my job in." And then he got a letter the next day, and his manager was Marvin Agnesol. So he went, he went back to the boss and asked, "Could he stay on?" He any chance he could stay here? You know, when he got that through a letter, yeah. your manager challenger, that's who you're gonna fight next, Marvin Agnesol. So yeah. I mean, he had to ask for his job back that morning. He got the letter, but I, I mean, this is this is the difference, you know, fighters that are putting ridiculous demands aren't they you know yeah I mean you know first and foremost George go and fight James DeGale because when you get out of the ring you'll be a millionaire I know you I know, know. Do you <laughs> mean? Where, where else does it get you know I don't know it's crazy I mean Carl Froch I don't know if you're aware Carl Froch had nine million pounds when he fought George Groves in second fight wow. George, you know George Groves if he were to fight James DeGale would get his record purse the highest purse he's ever earned in his life it's crazy. And um, I, I, I'm sorry, but I, I'm, I've kind of lost it somewhere. Yeah, I'm with you, I'm with you all the way, <laughs> you know. What I, about I, those I, poor trainers on 10% as well? Get in there. <laughs> poor old... Poor Get in old there, Robert. what's the matter with you? Get in there. <laughs> poor old Robert McCracken, you know, like, he's on these things. Yeah, it's a shame. You know, like, with, first of all, with Carl Froch, you know, like, there's 900 grand, yeah, you know, like, yeah. from the last one. Please, more of that. Yeah. And, of course... He must believe that Carl Froch can beat James DeGale. He must. 
Yeah. You know, the, the bell can decide that. I just yeah. think, like most people, that James is completely wrong for for Carl Foch. But that never stopped Carl from, you know, battling yeah. away with Andre Ward and, no. and similarly with Andre Ward. Oh, he's gone in and fought, hasn't he? Um, yeah, and I don't. I also don't understand how you cannot be motivated. It says on your passport you're a fighter, and then someone's offering you millions to do it. Yeah, and and you're saying, well, you know, ask my. You know, I say this when you we, you sit amongst the great Michael Watson, and it's his birthday at the end of March. It's a massive thing. I hope he's not listening because he doesn't even know it's, it's happening. But it's meant mega. Could you imagine Michael Watson saying no to millions? No. no. You know, Harold Graham, you know, never got the chance really to, to get in amongst, you know, the, the great fighters. And by the way, I've said this a few times, I would never have let Nigel Ben fight Harold Graham, never. If there was a title and they had to fight, go and do it. That's what you do, but voluntarily... Yeah, yeah. Ambrose, you know. Ambrose sorry, we just to just cut in, but we are kind of getting towards the end of the show. So can you let us know where you think the fight is going to go then? Who, who do you think, in your opinion, James DeGale will fight? On April twenty fifth. Um, I'm not being disrespectful, I, but for a couple of million ambulances, I'll go and get me shots. <laughs> to be honest, there's I, a kid I, sat beside him here. John Murray will have a bit of that, won't he, John? Yeah, yeah. yeah, John, what a great fighter. Yeah, we all take our hat off to you, honestly, John. Yeah, you gave people some amazing, amazing, thrilling, thrilling fight. You, you really, really did. In fact, you probably won't remember, but um, I was at the Sky st- um, Studio. I think you were there at the same time as, as Million Dollar. Oh, yeah. yeah I do remember. The, um, yeah. yeah, it's crazy, eh? But, yeah. but there we are. But in answer to that question, I think it's 50-50 between George Groves and uh, Andre Durrell. I only say that because Andre Durrell, at, at the time I speak to you now, is saying he ha- he is not coming to England. He's probably saying that to get a, f- a few quid more. Yeah. Eddie Hearn, on the other hand, is going to bid any amount of money to That's make okay. sure he does have to come to England. Yeah. Um, but meanwhile, at any point, um, it would be convenient for George Groves to say... I'll do it. I'll come. I'll, you know, I want to yeah. have the fight. That's the um, fan. That's the fight the fans want, well, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah you know absolutely. I mean? Imagine yeah. that James DeGale and George Cole yeah. at, at the old team. <laughs> what, what? You know what? Can I mean? What? What? It's about, isn't it? That's what it's about, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Totally. So, good feeling, Ambrose. Um, you know, do you think Andre or George? George. George Cole. Okay, brilliant. Yeah, that's great. George. It comes off. I think, and there's two things got to happen. One, first thing. John, you know, if that fight comes on, you definitely are a, a welcome guest. Yeah, you know, it. definitely, right? Yeah. And um, Beckery, yeah. as I said yesterday, put your press credentials in because yeah. there are some, there are really are some nice people down south. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> of course. So you know. I'll make sure that's done, and I'm really, I'm really happy to have had the opportunity to speak to yourself and you. And even I might get an invite, eh, Ambrose? <laughs> <laughs> Rob, you, you know, you know the old story, don't you? When, yeah. when, when you're a trainer yeah. or a second, you yeah. get in anyway. Yeah, yeah, I'll get, I'll get down Eddie's here. I'll be all right. If it promotes Brian, so I should be okay. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to do that thing on my credential to put your face on it. <laughs> <laughs> Ambrose. Ambrose, it's been absolutely fantastic to speak to you, mate. Honestly, it's um, mine. Just, just before you go, Ambrose, is it true that you you hold the world Guinness record for eating crackers as well in a minute or something? Is that and, right? Yeah, and Ferrero Rocher. As well. <laughs> it's, it's now my official record, thirty-four seconds. It started out as a laugh, and um, and then when we were with Mick Hennessy, the MC, the American guy that he uses, we were in a hotel the night before, so they set everything up and and I did it. I, I think I did it in about six 
15 seconds. How many? Um, you have to eat three. I promise you won't be able to do it. Three, three crackers, crackers in 16 seconds? Three cream crackers. You, <laughs> no, try and do it in a minute. You try and do it try in a minute. minute. Right. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> John Mullins is thinking he's losing. He's throwing bets down here, John. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Brilliant. Ambrose, we could talk to you all day, but unfortunately we're, we're coming towards the end of the show. Also. It's the first time you have been on the show, but we definitely, definitely want you on again in the future. Is that and, okay? and, and Ambrose, if you're ever in, in the Manchester area on, on a Monday, we can have you live on the show with us, can't we? Okay, superb. Brilliant. Brilliant. All right, Ambrose. Thank Thank you you very much, sir. Thanks for today, and we'll be in touch soon. God bless. Don't forget what I said, John. Yeah, thanks a lot, mate. I appreciate it. All right. Okay, that was Ambrose Mender. How informative is stuff stuff like that? Do you know what I mean? It's brilliant, isn't it? Great interview. Absolutely fantastic. fantastic. Dead informative and all that, you mean? Yeah, and we've all got an invite as well to the fight as well, so bonus. Um, We have got about 10 minutes of the show left because, yeah, we we did start a little bit late today. Yeah, no, well, we've got to finish off with John anyway, so it was a great time to wrap it up but yeah like I say you know um, it's going to be a big fight we all want the George Groves to girl fight how do you you see it John? I liked the girl me I thought you know Groves nicked it last time but I didn't think he went out there and smashed the girl he was was, was more like a fighter going out there and robbing robbing the rounds and just doing enough just to nick it but not getting involved I think the girl's a better fighter than Groves I think you know know what I think I think at that point in, in, in his career James DeGale was obviously, you know, getting everybody to not to like him. Mm, you know, yeah. nobody liked him. He used to rub me up the wrong yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, he did. And me. he didn't really perform to his best of his abilities. Yeah. You know, to be that kind, to be that way, you've got to be performing, haven't you? And he wasn't, was a. Mm. But just recently, he's kind Sold of down, he's, he's taken that edge off, and yeah. he's, he's got rid of that bit of an edge, hasn't yeah. he? And he's got down to his boxing. And he's boxing brilliant, isn't he? Yeah. You know, he looked, he, that last one, wow, yeah. he looked fantastic. Last 12 months, he's really yeah, come Yeah, he's really, it? really come, he's yeah. come to the front. And I think, I, I think people are, 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 are siding more with James DeGale than George Groves now, mm. because George Groves is rubbing the people Yeah, he's turned way. into... He's turned, he, you know, it's yeah. gone the other way, hasn't it, with them two? <laughs> you know, like, George Groves is... You know, like, you know, we was at the way, me and Brian, the day before we flew out to um, New York. Yeah. And, and he come in with his own security guards and he was all pushing about on stage and he stood there with his headphones <laughs> on on stage and, you know, yeah. and it was, you know, and then he gets knocked out off frotch, you know yeah. what I mean? So it's swayed a little bit. I think the yeah. fans have gone more for James DeGale now than, than yeah. George Groves, you know what I mean? Absolutely, absolutely agree. Yeah. No, it'd be interesting. He's asking for a lot of stuff there. I know, fight, just a know? bit. <laughs> Was that what your rider was like, John? What's that, mate? <laughs> was that what yours was like before you got in? You wanted all sorts in the, gy- in the changing <laughs> yeah, rooms and all. Yeah, yeah. special box of shorts, wore at the wing and that. <laughs> <laughs> it's madness, isn't it? Crazy. Okay, moving on then. Like I say, we've got about 10 minutes of the show left. Um, John, we're going to finish off the show with you again, as we said. Going back to what we were talking about just before, you know, you got to the end of your career. You had some news about the eye as well, so you recently retired from boxing. Yeah. Can you let us know what happened there, John? Because yeah, so I've had, a, I've had a detached retina in my right eye. My right eye's been getting bad for a while now I've had double vision in it for the last three four years of my career and, and like I say it's just been getting bad so every time I take a shot it tends to balloon up straight away I know Joe Gallagher going into the fight with Crawler was like instructions were to Anthony before the fight is to pepper his right eye because it was swollen because Joe no, knew this going into the fight obviously he trained me for years mm-hmm. and he'd, he'd, you know, he would, he was instructions given to Anthony before the fight was to pepper my eye with a jab and you know try and get it to swell up because we knew it was he knew it was going to swell up quick and you know it, it was a known part of my training and that you know my right eye was bad. Mm-hmm. Um, 
It is what it is, though. Now, and you know, it's it, it's it's a blessing. I look at it, you know, it detached after the qualify. I went back and I've had to have operations, and I've had two operations on my eyes so far. I've got another one in April, but if it if it, if, it, if it, my eye was all right, I'd still be fighting.